0: You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network.
1: You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from lips and ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, Packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, Pack underscore daddy. I am, in fact, broadcasting from the Vivid Seats studios. Use promo code OVERTIME in the Vivid Seats mobile app to save up to $100 on all ticket purchases. First time customers only. I do hope if you're making plans to go to a game, give it a shot and just see what you can get as far as uh, ticket discounts. Whether that's the Packers, the Badgers, what have you. Just give it a shot, man. Never know, it might just change your life. The Packers Stock Market Game. Uh, We got a few more people involved in that now. Thank exactly none of you for giving me a new name for it. But uh, you guys can have until, I guess until the game starts on Sunday. Actually, you know what, that's not true, because I'm not going to be here for the first part of Sunday. Try to get it in by today, if you're planning on playing the game. You're going to need to get into the Facebook group, though, so make sure you get into the Facebook group. The link to get into the Facebook group is in the description to this podcast. Either way, should probably be in the Facebook group. Today we're going to be talking about um, the Denver Broncos and specifically the strategy to beat the Denver Broncos, in my opinion. And because I did a lot of that yesterday, because I just can't help myself, that may not be the only thing we talk about today. We'll see how it goes. But anyways, I think we're good. Let's take a break and uh, start talking about it. So as I'm looking at this game, one of the things that I want to remind everyone is what I said last week about Aaron Rodgers and his statistics when he was kept clean. Last week against the Vikings, Aaron Rodgers was 17 of 17 for 143 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, a 140.9 passer rating. On the season so far, He is 34 of 43, which is almost 80% completion percentage, which is ridiculous. 34 of 43 for 341 yards, almost 8 yards per attempt, 3 touchdowns, no interceptions. When he's under pressure, however, he's 7 of 22, which is 31%, almost 32%, for 77 yards, which is a 3.5 yards per attempt average, 0 touchdowns, 0 interceptions, seven sacks, six throwaways, 43.2 passer rating. Massive, massive, massive difference. I don't know definitively that that makes all the difference, but it kind of seems like that's making all the difference. When Aaron Rodgers is clean, this this is an unbelievable offense. When he's under pressure, this is garbage. I'm going to continue to stick with what I said before that a big part of David Bakhtiari's problem last week was his back issue. I don't know that for sure, but it just seems unlikely to me that he has that bad of a game against a decent but not exactly elite football player. So the fact that he does not show up even a little bit on this injury report is a positive in my opinion. Brian Balaga was limited on Wednesday. My assumption is that that's them just trying to keep him fresh. So that needs to be a a really big priority. David Bakhtiari needs to have a better game. Balaga needs to continue to have a good game. And the guys on the interior, primarily Billy Turner, need to get their stuff together. Because if Von Miller's just going to come inside and blow up Turner play after play, this isn't going to work very well. Billy Turner has to be better. Corey Lindsley also has not been super fantastic. He's nowhere near as bad as Billy Turner, but he probably should be better. He's one of the better pass-blocking centers in the NFL for several years, and he's not even close to that so far this year so we've got a very very good offensive line but essentially we've got billy turner who is being graded out as bad on the season Corey lindsley and david bakhtiari are in the average category both of those things are ridiculous by the way elton jenkins is our highest graded pass blocker so far he will be starting at left guard i'm pretty excited about that to be clear though lane taylor has not been the problem one of the biggest things if things hold up as far as elton um you know In his abilities, it's it's going to be actually bigger for the run game than it is for the pass game. But either way, they got to figure this out, and I do think getting the ball out quickly is going to be a big part of it. I could not be any more frustrated with the the constant need to push the ball down the field all the time. Matt Lafleur is doing the exact same thing that Mike McCarthy did. I don't know if it's Aaron Rodgers getting in his ear, being like, "We got to go deep. We got to go." I don't know what it is. But I see successful teams, play after play after play, particularly the Patriots, who are more than content to take eight-yard passes and watch the receiver then run for an additional five. They'll take 13 on every single play. The Packers and Aaron Rodgers are never content with just taking the little, the little dump-off passes. Let me throw it four. He'll go and get me six on first down. And then we'll throw it again get seven first down, right? Just a little slant route, no big deal. No, we've got to get this big, drawn out, got to take a shot. Like, come on, I mean, yeah, once in a while, but dude, just go down the field and get a touchdown. What is, what is the, why why do we need to rush our defense back on the field? Like, we either need to score in three plays or we need a three and out. One of those two things, but I can't have this defense just sitting over here. Whenever the, the offense is just efficient and just moving, you know, four, five, six yards at a clip, they just fly down the field. I know there was a time when the Packers' offense could just rip off 40, 50-yard passes to Jordy Nelson like it's nothing, and that's how we got our scores. That's just not how the Packers operate lately. When the Packers look good, they're just efficient. They just keep moving, and that's what a lot of NFL teams are doing today. And I would like it if they could just continue doing that. Run for four or five, pass for three or four or five. Just just keep doing that. I know there's fear of eventually they're going to get us. I don't care. Make them get you then. I I just, I don't know. I'm sure it has a lot to do with the defense adjusting to take away the short passes, and now we're going to try to hurt them deep. It's just we can't do it because we just don't have the personnel to do it, whatever. I I don't know. I would just like to see them actually try to stop you, just because they're loading up the box and and trying to get up close. Fine, let's still try to take the, the short to intermediate passes and see if they can stop it, because maybe they still can't stop it. Then they're really in trouble. I don't know. I'm just saying... I'm not saying. I'm just saying. But that's definitely going to be priority number one. Keep Aaron Rodgers clean. Because on the flip side of this, if I'm Vic Fangio, I'm looking at those exact same numbers, and I'm saying this team is not getting it done if we're getting to Aaron Rodgers. We might not get a lot of picks out of him because he's too cautious with the ball. He's going to throw it at his his lineman's feet. He's going to throw it out of bounds, whatever. But we, we absolutely need to... Uh, we got to get some pressure on him. The other if I may be extremely obvious here, the other thing we have to do, what we can't allow them to do is simply say, let's take away Adam. That is the easiest game plan in the world. And the the frustrating thing is it seems to be working. And again, I don't think it has to work. I think we could do some little dump off passes and get three, four, five yards. No big deal. I think we're running the ball for, you know, I mean, Aaron Jones was averaging what five yards a carry I don't know how your math is doing, but as far as I can tell, if you run it for five yards twice in a row, that's a first down. You may have to go for it on third down, but I feel like we could probably get it. So if you're running at about five yards a clip with Aaron Jones, and I don't remember hardly any of the time when guys are trying to run little short routes and they're not open. I've seen bad attempts at catching and bad attempts at throwing before, but very rarely is that being covered. But at the end of the day, the, the biggest problem I have with the whole taking Devontae away thing is this is, this is such an easy team to manipulate. Because again, Yadam is not a good football player. Gatsis, and Wolf and Harris on the inside are okay, mediocre. I mean, any decent team worth their salt can push these guys out of the way and run the ball. Josie Jewell and Todd Davis are not good linebackers. And Todd Davis might not even play. And Joe Jones, the linebacker, by the way, is officially out, as is Juwan James. I might as well just go through this, by the way. Juwan James, the right tackle, is out. That's very, very big. Ron Leary appears to be playing. He's the guard. He's not very good anyways, but it would have been interesting if he was out. But he's been full participation since Thursday. He was full participation again on Friday. I'm sure he's fine. Bryce Callahan is questionable. Um, We were kind of hoping he wasn't playing, but as I said, they've got a slot corner by the name of um, Kareem Jackson, that's actually not too horrible. Andy Janovich, their fullback, is going to be out. That may hurt them schematically because you know most teams aren't carrying a bunch of fullbacks on their roster. They do have Andrew Beck, but um, from what I can tell, he's not doing all that well. So it may be one of those things where they're like, you know, what, we're just not going to utilize the fullback very much. Uh, Cortland Sutton, it does look like he's going to play. That was going to be a big advantage for the Packers if Cortland Sutton did not play, But he went from um, did not practice on Thursday to full participation on Friday. Emmanuel Sanders was limited Wednesday, then full on Thursday, and then limited again on Friday. Um, it, It appears he's going to play, but it is interesting to see somebody go on the list, off the list, and back on it again. Either way, both of those guys are going to be playing. For the Packers, Montrevious is doubtful. Jimmy Graham is out. Jay Kumaro is out. Oren Burks is out. Kyler Fackrell, Darius Shepard are questionable. I don't know what is going on with Fackrell. He's been limited all week. But uh, Balaga, Martinez, Savage, Williams, uh, Fidel Brown, Kenny Clark, Kadar Holman, Kevin King, Will Redmond, Zedarius Smith, Jamal Williams, and Devontae Adams are all expected to play. Uh, Devontae and Balaga, as I said, it's not an injury concern. Everybody else had some sort of injury concern, but most of these guys were we're fine anyways. The, the Packers are real weird with their injury report. They've had, I mean, Fidel Brown, Kenny Clark, Kadar Holman, Kevin King, Will Redmond, Sedarius Smith. Every single one of these guys ha- was listed on the injury report, but they've been practicing in full all week. So I don't really know what the standard for being put on the injury report is. I'm assuming everybody's in pain, but whatever. So that's the status. But again, th- this is a, a beatable defense. the The, um, the safeties, the linebackers, Um, They've got a couple good corners, but uh, Yadam, as I said, is not great. It really just comes down to being a very mediocre defense in terms of talent with some elite talent. Uh, I've mentioned Chris Harris is very, very good. Von Miller is very, very good. Bradley Chubb, you know, not quite there yet, but he's he's a scary guy. He can wreck some stuff. And so we we need to be an offense that that can find a way to get it done. Because if, if it really just comes down to four... For Vic Fangio, if all he has to do is say, we're going to double up Devontae and we're going to load up the box to stop the run, and we're going to force Aaron, which is just the craziest thing in the world, to say we're going to force Aaron Rodgers to throw, but they're going to try to force Aaron Rodgers to throw with Devontae double team. Now, presumably, because I've mentioned there's a couple different ways you can do this, you can take your number two corner and put him on the number one receiver because it's a double-team and it becomes more of a numbers game than a talent thing. However, Yottam is is so you know not great that that could be a problem. So maybe the Denver Broncos start with that because then you got Chris Harris on uh, MVS, which actually isn't a great matchup anyways because Chris Harris is a shorter guy. Not that it super matters, but I feel like Aaron Rodgers might have enough confidence to say I'm just going to throw this thing up. I'm going to you know, and I'm just going to let Marquez go sky for it. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But that becomes even more problematic because then you're in a situation where Devontae is going to be hard to throw to because he's doubled. Scantling is going to be hard to throw to because Scantling is basically like a wide receiver number three so far. Eh, I get it. Yeah, he can develop. Got it. Great. That's wonderful next year. That has nothing to do with this week. But Marquez going up against one of the the one of the greats, to be completely honest, at the corner position, Chris Harris, just, just phenomenal cornerback. That makes it very difficult on two fronts. And then you're looking at, you know, Geronimo and Kumaro or whoever else to be able to come out as the number three wide receiver going up against, you know, I mean, presumably at this point, it's going to be Bryce Callahan, who's extremely talented and is also familiar with the system. So there's no real reason to believe that he's going to be um, not very good. So across the board, we, we have mismatches. Devontae against the double is in their favor. Um, Allison, and Kumaro, or whoever else against Callahan is a problem. Scantling against Harris is a problem. Now we're trying to run the ball, except they're stacking the box and saying that's exactly what we're trying to take away from you. We're not going to let you run the ball. So then the counter to the counter to the counter will be to get your, your running back, your fullback, your tight ends involved in the pass game to stress the linebackers. The problem is We don't have the greatest pass-catching running backs or route-running running running backs. We don't have the greatest tight ends as far as receiving, especially with Jimmy Graham out, not to say that he's super great at it, but now it's, you know, I don't know, we'll see. And as much as, you know, there's a lot of talk about scheme and and Matt LaFleur's talking about, well, I got to find a way to scheme. I don't don't know if it always is just going to come down to scheme. At the end of the day, it always comes down to winning. Now there's the extreme, which is to say I'm going to call whatever I want. And I expect you to win no matter what. It goes back to the whole rock, paper, scissors thing that I talked about. You know, Mike McCarthy come out and just say rock. And that's all he ran for years was rock. So everybody figured out, all right, just go out there and play paper. And he's like, that's fine because we're just going to beat you even though we have the disadvantage all game. Matt LaFleur is going to do his best to make sure that we're calling the right thing at the right time to give us an advantage. But even if we have an advantage, they can still win. Even if he's calling the right play to try to get you know Chris Harris out of position on Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Scantling's still got to win. He's still got to be able to run a good route and get open. You know, Lafleur calls a play that, that you know gets the, the safeties back and the linebackers up, which creates a massive void in the middle of the field. Cool. And Scantling just has to run into that void with a little bit of separation, and, and boom, perfect play, everything's executed. But if he doesn't run a good route, and Harris just sticks on him like glue, guess what? Great scheme, great play call, bad execution by MVS. At the end of the day, it doesn't just come down to scheme. The guy's got to win. And if guys start winning, there's really nothing the Denver Broncos can do. So I think the the biggest thing is going to be trying lots of different stuff. Don't get vanilla. Don't get boring because it's too easy to take certain things away. Again, this, this defense is going to be manipulatable. Attack the safeties. Attack the linebackers. Try different stuff. Go in motion. Do jet sweeps. Do all kinds of crazy stuff. Because there isn't enough talent on this defense. I mean, again, you got elite talent like Von Miller who can just completely blow it up. However, if, if Von Miller's accounted for and you, you have to they have to rely on their safeties and linebackers to consistently make plays, that's disadvantage for them. Something else to bear in mind: I mentioned Bradley Chubb not really being super great, and he's been struggling across the board. But obviously, he's he's a much better pass rusher than he. Well, I shouldn't say obviously. Let me uh, illuminate this for you. Bradley Chubb is a better pass rusher than he is run defender. In fact, he's really, really struggling to stop the run. Von Miller is unbelievable against the run. You wouldn't think that. He's a smaller guy, right? He's an elite pass rusher. So far this year, you know, we all know the stats, but his pass rush grade is below average. His run defense grade is elite. Now, David Bakhtiari hasn't been super great, but as I have said, Elton Jenkins is a very good run blocker. At least he has been up to this point. If he's able to get out and and try to run block to that side, the Bradley Chubb side, this is not going to be a terrible situation for the Packers. Attack that side of the field. Somebody else that potentially could be, should be, might be on that side of the field, and we can we can dictate that depending on how we line up our receivers and tight ends and whatnot. Um, one of their or the worst run defender on their team is Isaac Yadam, the the uh, corner. As much as it seems like that might not matter, remember what I said about how. Matt LaFleur talked about how our wide receivers need to be able to run block. It's very, very important. Well, they've got a great matchup here with a corner who's been doing a terrible job of trying to tackle and, and make plays against the run. So if their goal is to double up Devontae with Yadam and, and, and a safety, you run to that side, Devontae annihilates Yadam. Maybe we get Bakhtiari crashing down on Bradley Chubb while, while Elton Jenkins or somebody else pulls around and lead blocks or just shoots straight up and gets to the linebackers, tries to reach him whatever the, the bottom line is that is a definite weakness that side of the field in run defense von miller's side in general just try to stay away from that something else to keep in mind is mr draymond jones who was a uh, a pretty good player coming out of college that the denver broncos drafted one of the things about him though is he's definitely not a run defender but he's a real quick off the ball pass rusher from the interior now if he's going to sit on the field they're coming after Aaron Rodgers, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to try to run the ball a little bit more, if for no other reason than to get him off the field. And then throw the ball when they got their run defenders out there. Not necessarily saying play scared, but play smart. Take what the defense is giving you. If they're lining up to hurt Aaron Rodgers in, you know, dime defense, run the ball. So I think like usual, you know, you're going to come out with your initial game plan, but this is really going to come down to, well, a couple things. The biggest and easiest way to win this game is for the players to just win. Because then it doesn't really matter what the play call is necessarily. Our guys are just better and they're just winning. So even when we have somewhat of a a disadvantage, we still got guys that are just winning. Aaron Rodgers throwing perfect passes to guys that are slightly covered who are making great catches. You know, if they're able to stack stack the box and we can still run against it, it doesn't really matter what we do at that point. However, defense is pretty talented. One of the keys to this game is going to be something Matt LaFleur has not been able to prove that he can do and that is to make adjustments right come out and succeed that's great defense makes adjustments we suddenly can't move the ball now what do we do now there was a decent amount of evidence that there were missed opportunities from the players but still we, we've got to find a way that when there are adjustments and they start figuring stuff out we just shift it up a little bit and boom we're right back on track because if we come out flat and essentially stay flat because Matt LaFleur can't get us out of this hole we're going to lose the game we can't be putting up 3 points, 10 points, 13 points, whatever, and expect to beat every team this year. And that includes the Denver Broncos. As much as their offense isn't great, they can score points. So establish the run. Just make sure that you can be efficient down the field. Just get the ball moving. Get first downs. There's, there's no crime against keeping their defense on the field and our defense fresh. That's I promise you, Matt LaFleur. I promise you, Aaron Rodgers. There's nothing wrong with just kind of going nice and slow and methodical down the field. We don't have to come out on first down and try to launch it down the field on the first play and then go three and out and put this game on our defenses back. Let's go win one this week, all right? Also, it's not a crime to win in a blowout. I know the Green Bay Packers, it's, it's basically a cardinal sin to win and not allow the other team to just come right back and, and have to win in some kind of spectacular fashion in which my heart is about ready to just keel over and die. I know that it's impossible to just win comfortably. But, you know, if you're winning, just keep winning. All right? Please? It, it's not as enjoyable as, as you might think. I, I know you think we just love it when the other team comes back and Rodgers has to come back from behind, throw some miraculous throw, and we got to get some clutch field goal or whatever it is. Trust me, we don't like it as much as you think. Average life expectancy for a Green Bay Packers fan I think is about 62 90% die of heart failure. Ridiculous. That would be an interesting metric. I don't I don't know if anyone's actually um keeping track of those kinds of things. I'd love to know how many games come down to the wire and which teams bring games to the wire most often. Because I feel like there's almost never ever a game that isn't I mean most team most games are are pretty close. That's what makes the NFL better than college football. But man, I just I never uh, aside from last year, when there were a, com- a couple comfortable losses, just nothing, man. I mean, looking at last year, 34 to 20 against the Falcons, I guess is that's. I mean, that's pretty comfortable. Um, 31-12 against the Dolphins, that's pretty nice, and 22 to nothing Buffalo Bills. That's about it for last year. Every other game was either a comfortable loss or a close game. 24-23 Bears, 29-29 Vikings. Comfortable loss to the Redskins, comfortable loss to the Lions, 33-30 49er game, 27-29 Rams, comfortable loss to the Patriots, 24-27 Seahawks, 17-24 Vikings, 17-20 Cardinals, 17-24 Bears, 44-38 Jets. Something else I'd like to point out before we take a break and switch sides of the field here. The similarities between last year's schedule and this year's schedule are constantly just keeping me up at night. I mean, last year it was Bears-Vikings to start the season, same as this year, which is really weird. But essentially, if if there wasn't a garbage call against Clay Matthews, these games are almost identical. A close win against the Bears in Week 1. The Packers would have won that game on an interception from Jair Alexander. Wouldn't have completely closed it out. That would have been essentially the end of the game, though. And then we went up against the Washington Redskins, which is a pretty similar team to the Denver Broncos. Not a good team. Packers are definitely a favorite, but not, you know, a completely worthless team. And we lost 31-17. to We started the season thinking we're a pretty good team, right? We beat the Bears. We barely, you know, tied the Vikings, which, you know, the Vikings are a good team. Whatever. Come to find out we were garbage. All the more reason it would be nice to comfortably win this game. The Patriots are a good team, and everyone knows they are, and they're blowing teams out. The Chiefs are a good team. They're blowing people out. The Cowboys are a good team. They blew out the Giants. They beat the Redskins by 10. The Rams are a good team. They went up against a breezeless Saints team. What do you expect to happen? A blowout? Well, that's exactly what happened. 27-9. You get what I'm saying, right? Good teams going up against not good teams are pretty lopsided. They don't let it get to be close. They just stomp them out. If we have a good offense, if we really do have an elite quarterback, if we really do have an elite wide receiver, if we really do have elite tackles, if we really do have a very good running back, if we really do have a top-five defense, there is zero reason the score of this game shouldn't be 30-10. to 10. I mean, I, I just, come on, man. just Just beat the living garbage out of this team. Just beat them to a bloody pulp and do not stop. Run the score straight out of the stadium. Just run it up. Because we keep saying this stuff, but yet teams just shut down the Packers like it's nothing. Great defense, but we're going to let them come back into it. Elite quarterback, elite wide receiver, great running back, great offensive line. However, can't get first downs, can't score points. How does that work? Enough. See, now I'm skipping ahead to, to whatever. Still, let's just, come on, come on. Here we go. Win by a lot. Ready, go. Anyways, let's take a break and we'll flip the teams around and see what the Packers got to do when they're on defense. Don't touch that dial.
1: You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads.
0: So the, the bottom line here is, this is, in my opinion, the Vikings' light. A good, not great quarterback, but not on the same tier as Kirk Cousins. A really talented running back. I'm not sure he's on the same level as Dalvin Cook. A really solid wide receiver group, but not quite Diggs and Thielen. And so I really do expect a very similar game plan to what we've been doing the last couple of weeks. Maybe I'm wrong, because I was hesitant to say this last week as well, but I went with it anyways, because I'm a little worried about Flacco being able to deliver to Sanders and Sutton. But if it's me, I'm going to start with the game plan of stop Freeman from running the ball. Stop them from running the ball. Trust my corners and my, my trust my DBs, I guess, to shut down their two wide receivers. Because really, that's all it is. It's, it's again, it's, it's, it's funny because everybody wants to like talk about, oh, football's chess. It's chess. It's not checkers. I'm going the opposite direction. I'm making it an even dumber game. It's rock, paper, scissors. But the whole point is just just take it away. And everybody understands it, right? You beat the Packers, you just take away this thing, and then you force them to to find a way to be better. And maybe they just hang in the pocket and wait for it to break open, right? No, we're, we're just going to keep trying to run the ball. Eventually, we'll get that play. That's what the Vikings did. They're like, no, we're just going to keep running the ball, even though it's not working. Boom, 75-yard touchdown. Now we're just going to keep running these routes and hopefully something breaks open. Boom! Touchdown to Diggs, like 48 yards or whatever that was. But generally, that's not how that's going to go, and it's not going to be good enough. Something else that I will say: last week the pass rush wasn't exactly what it was against the Bears. I tend to think it's because they had respect for the running back, and their their main priority was trying not to kind of over pursue because that can hurt you in the run game. If you got guys with their main priority of trying to get past linemen to get to the quarterback you're leaving yourself exposed to a running back gashing you depending on how they feel about philip Lindsay and royce freeman they may not quite respect them as much and might just go get them right they might just unleash zadarius and preston and rashawn obviously i don't really care which game plan it is as long as it works but i would kind of like to see them just pin their ears back and go get flacco allow me to illuminate you to some of flacco's um stats when we're talking about pressure versus no pressure because it's pretty similar to Aaron Rodgers in 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 that it's diametrically opposed to one another on one hand you've got a guy that has completed 42 of 57 pass attempts which is 73.7 percent completion percentage that is unbelievably high he's thrown for 423 yards 7.4 yard average two touchdowns one interception 98.8 passer rating his adjusted completion percentage is 81.5 completing 4 out of 5 passes. When he's under pressure, he's completed 14 of 24, which is 58.3%, for 137 yards, 5.7 average, 0 touchdowns, 0 interceptions. He was sacked 5 times, 74.5 passer rating. The other thing to keep in mind here, though, is that according to the grades, and again, the grades and stats are different, Joe Flacco, when he's not under pressure, 86.1 is his grade meaning he's very good. And I think we saw that a lot against the Bears, right? He's very efficient. He gets the ball with with clean passes to where it needs to go. His grade when he's under pressure, 35.8. Not quite as bad as what Kirk Cousins was last week, but that's about the level we're talking about. In other words, he's making really 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 bad decisions when he's under pressure. And it really hasn't happened that much if you look at the the ratio of it. 57 attempts he had no pressure, 24 attempts he had uh, he had pressure bearing down on him. I tend to think it's a bit of a priority to try to get some pressure there. Now, he's a veteran quarterback, so trying to confuse him and everything isn't necessarily going to work as well as it will against a guy like Trubisky, but it's still going to work. And at the end of the day, pressure's pressure. Whether he knows it's coming or not, if you come off his blind side and you smoke him in the back, it's just as effective whether he knows it's coming or not. Something else that I think is interesting... Um, If you look at his passing direction, which is breaking down all the different parts of the field and how good of a job he's doing, his intermediate to deep passing are some of his best passes, some of his highest grades. If you look at the intermediate middle zone of the field, which is 10 to 20 yards in the middle of the field, which is between the hashes, 7 of 11 for 149 yards, 107.2 passer rating. If you look at the deep middle of the field, he's 1 for 1 for 53 yards, 118.8 passer rating. If you look at the intermediate portion of the field on the right side, 4 of 6 for 37 yards and a touchdown, 122.9 passer rating. I'm going to want to try to take that away a little bit. Now, he's doing fine in the, the short to the, the short yardage part of the field, right? 6 of 6 to the left of the hashes, 18 of 20 in the middle part, and 8 of 10 on the right side of the hashes in the short part of the field, 0 to 10 yards. But I'm not going to want to let him sit back there and pick me apart in the... the intermediate and deep portion of the field which it seems like he's having some decent success with I'm going to try to go get him now the other end of this equation though is the amount of attempts he's had he's very rarely attempted deep throws there's only three passes he's thrown beyond 20 yards so far this year only one of them was completed the reason I bring that up is because my my strategy that I just laid out it might bite you a little bit if they're not even trying to go deep still I'm going to try to take that away now this is actually a pretty important factor as well because if you contrast that with Kirk Cousins, for example, or somebody else that's that's actually wanting to take the, the ball deeper, that wants to take those deep shots, that's willing to, that has the speed at wide receiver, that's quarterback, has the arm, etc., etc., it's a little bit more high risk. It's kind of comforting to know that they're, they're not really even going to try to go deep that much. Like, All right, let's just not do that, because that kind of hurt us last week, and I would prefer we don't. For the record, Aaron Rodgers is 2 of 8 and passes beyond 20 yards. So that'll actually be interesting. I'll be curious to see how the Packers play that, because on one hand, you could see saying, all right, I'll tell you what. We're going to try to stack the box to keep you from running, which means probably not as much pressure. We're going to play up up tight, and we're going to let you try to take some shots. In other words, if you want to beat us, you're going to have to throw the ball, and you're going to have to try to throw it at our corners and our safeties 22 yards down the field or whatever. Best of luck to you. That is one strategy. Take away the short passes. Force him to, to push the ball down the field. Again, that's going to mean less pressure, which can be dangerous because Flacco can pick you apart. I mean, eventually somebody's going to get there. Eventually Clark or Smith or Smith or whoever's going to get there. But that wouldn't be the necessarily the worst thing in the world. On the other hand, the other strategy could be let's just go get them. All right, we're going to press these guys up. We're going to bring as much pressure as fast as we possibly can. And hope that we can get to Flacco before these guys can get open. And we're going to trust our corners to be able to hang with these guys well enough. And with the pressure, maybe the the pass is a little bit errant, and that's going to give Alexander and King and and Savage some opportunities to go get the ball in Amos. I think either one works. And, and the cool thing is, you can do one and switch to the other. Right? Try one, and if they if it's actually working, you know, as far as working for the Broncos, like, well, you have to throw it deep now, and he's actually able to throw it deep. It's like, all right, forget that plan. Just go get him. We're not going to let them sit back in the pocket anymore, but I guess for my own selfish desires, I would like to see a lot more pressure and a lot more sacks and a lot more just disruption and chaos and what we saw against the Bears, which is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing. The The real good thing here, though, is on offense and defense, the Packers are the better team. They've got good receivers, but I mean, we're talking about Alexander, King, Savage, and Amos. That's tough, man. Flacco's capable enough, but thrown to these guys with those corners and coverage, with those safeties, and with these pass rushers, interior and exterior, with guys like King and Alexander firing you know, blitzes with their speed to be able to get their savage coming on a blitz, they're getting home fast. It's just a better defense. And again, on the flip side of the field, Aaron Rodgers with Devontae Adams should be good enough. And, and it, it, if... if the, a big part of what I'm doing also is assuming that everybody's going to get better. Von Miller is going to be better at rushing the passer. Chris Harris is going to be better in coverage than he has been. Because if things are basically the same, the Packers absolutely should just beat this team into oblivion. If this is a struggle, with these guys not even playing that well, if, if you're not getting peak Von Miller and peak Chris Harris, then you're not getting, well, Emmanuel's been pretty solid. You know, you're not getting the best from Chubb. Shelby Harris still isn't kind of doing what he was doing last year. We, we should just absolutely annihilate this team. And, and and the thing is, we're at home. And again, there, there shouldn't be, this isn't against the Vikings, so there should not be nearly as many Broncos fans as there were Vikings fans last week. Pretty sure the Broncos fan. I mean, they, they do have a relatively large fan base, but it's primarily because they're out in the part of the country that just doesn't have any teams. So they, it's a wide swath of territory, but it's also a lot of empty ground. And as far as I know, they don't travel as well as other teams. This should not be a Bronco fan invasion of Lambeau Field. And it is very, 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 very important. I'm sure with the audience size that we have, somebody is going to that game. Please listen to me. Scream as loud as you possibly can. Get out of my face, 5 o'clock alarm. I don't even care if you stand. I'd like you to stand. It doesn't really matter. Scream as loud as you can when the defense is on the field. Especially third down, but just in general... Just be crazy, because not only is it making it hard for the offense, for the Broncos offense to hear the play, call the play, and and just generally not mess up, it's also getting our defense amped up. They can't listen to music while they're on the field, but they can listen to the crowd roar and get jacked up. And I don't care if the Packers are winning or losing. There is no booing, there is only screaming and cheering for four quarters. Do not, under any... I don't care if it's 21 nothing going into halftime for the Denver Broncos. You cheer, you clap. Encourage the team. Get fired up, because booing makes them play worse. It encourages the Broncos. They like when the stadium gets quiet. That's something that they do, especially when a stadium is starting to get kind of raucous. What they do is they say, all right, we're going to come out fire and we're going to put some points on the board and we're going to take the crowd out of it. Don't get out of it. That's, that's not something that has to happen. The only reason that happens is because fans get discouraged and they think it's all about me and I'm sad so I'm not going to cheer anymore. Just do it anyways. The, the Packers want you to be loud. The Broncos don't want you to be loud. What do you think you should do? You know what to do. Do the right thing. Anyways, anything can happen. Again, if you look back at last year, it looked like this was a pretty good team. We beat the Bears. We basically beat the Vikings. Again, garbage call against Clay Matthews. I mean, it's technically a good call, but a garbage rule. We would have been 0-2 last year, and then we went up against the Washington Redskins. I said on this very podcast, these are the kinds of games you have to win, which is exactly what I'm saying about the Denver Broncos, right? You've got some tough matchups. You can't be losing games like the Washington Redskins. Same thing I'm going to say today. You can't be losing games like the Denver Broncos. Now, that wasn't a way game, but whatever. It doesn't matter. It kind of feels like a, a dramatic moment in a, in a weird kind of way, right? Because it does replicate last year, having the Bears and the Vikings and kind of starting off in a similar fashion with very close games against the Bears and the Vikings. However, last year we took a hard right turn. This was the moment you realize this team isn't quite where it needs to be. Week three was the moment that we, w- the, the path to chaos began. Week three this year can be the path going the opposite direction when we realize, nope, this is for real. This defense is for real. This offense is for real. How about rather than losing 31-17 to the Redskins, how about we beat the Denver Broncos 31-17? In fact, that's going to be my prediction. My prediction for this game is the Packers win 31-17. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Saturday. Talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.